Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 485 of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Carrie Doherty. She is fantastic, uh, super funny, super great, and we share a lot of loves in common, which you will be hearing much about in the upcoming episode. Enjoy it, and I'll talk to you next week. Do you have air conditioning and stuff? Or is- we do. We have okay. central air because we, we live in our, our friend's condo. He rents it to us for very cheap, which is very nice. So we have central nice. air, which is nice because we also have uh, a one-year-old and she has like really sensitive skin with heat. Oh, sure, so, sure. Did so she get heat rashes and stuff? She did. She got them really oh. badly. It was like a year ago. We had to take her to the hospital because it was just, it was all over her body and it was getting worse. No. But she's great now. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, the oh no is not like, oh my God, she's permanently damaged. No. But just like <laughs> being a little kiddo and having, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I feel like I used, definitely used to get heat rashes living in Tucson. There's no way... I mean, I feel like when you said that, I had a visceral reaction, like, oh, yes, my tiny body. It has happened to like, you, yes. Prickly, <laughs> awful, red, bad, hurty stuff. Um, well, I'm glad she's that she's doing okay. Yeah, and, she's good. Uh, you know, you can just put her in the freezer, right? That's what people do. Yeah, they just put the babies just in the freezer. Open the freezer. I'm not yeah. saying close the door yeah. after her. I'm just saying stick her in there with the door open. Come on, everybody. My mom actually tells me to stick her in the freezer all the time, but it's just so she won't continue to grow because she's growing too fast for her grandmother Aww. so yeah she's a sticker sticker in the freezer she's, she's super <laughs> boston so she's got the yeah crazy and then accent. you find out that your mom has just spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars in cryogenic like she's gonna have herself frozen you this is how you find out like yes. i'm going to you know when i die you're like wait what hold on yeah Can we talk about this yeah i go on her <laughs> facebook page i see the algorithm it's all just cryo and <laughs> totally. trying to get her to invest and, totally yeah Oh, my oh how many people do you think currently living are like going to have their bodies frozen? Mm. That's a good I question. I don't have any idea, but I, I mean, am curious. I mean, at least a hundred in terms of like yeah. ones that have the funds and they yeah. they know a guy and there's yeah. a facility and it's all sort of yeah. been set up and tested, but it hasn't been made available to the public. Um, I'd yeah. say at least a, I'd say maybe a hundred. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Worldwide, I'm going a thousand, mm. and even that number might be small. Yeah, you know, there's we a bunch of people in the upper in the in like the one percent of the entirety of the world. There's probably like ten thousand people who are like, "Oh, I'm I'm fully going cryo." Did you not have you not seen the <laughs> yeah. facilities in like Abu Dhabi or something? Yes, the same people who have pods for when the meteors come oh, to crash yes. on Earth. Who oh, have yes. the escape pods? Yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. There's there's a number of them. Oh, there definitely are. There definitely are. Um, and I'm sure many of them are like friends of Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos and are like, you know, we've already secured our seats on the ship yep. um, when that happens also. Yeah, I, I was just in northern Arizona with um, my sweetie. We were visiting my dad and, and his sister who stay in this cabin in northern Arizona when the, during the hottest months. And we went for a walk in this neighborhood. And, um, you know, it's like a very like purposefully they've never paved the roads kind of want it to be backcountry a little bit inaccessible um people want to live off i not you're not really living off the grid but certainly like 
you, you know, it's for it's like 40 miles to go, you know, get at the grocery store wow. and stuff. So you really have to like stock up. Mm-hmm. And um, and we were and, and some of the places are, are so cute and charming. I mean, it's not like high end cabins or anything, but we were walking past one property and all of a sudden we realized there was like a door hidden in like the side of a hill kind of near the like to where if you're walking past you can only sort of see it from one angle on the road and and it had like a sophisticated like you know camera system and so it was like a hobbit hole of the future and we were like oh shit like are they preppers like this is so cool like immediately i'm like i want to see in that bunker so bad there was like a a little um thing that i thought was a chimney but brandon was like no that's for wastewater uh like sticking out of the ground and then they had put like big shards of rocks like you know because it is short enough when you're on the road you could like step up and be on top of their ceiling so you could easily like accidentally drive your truck Mm -hmm. on top of it as well so they have like huge jagged rocks sort of um bordering it so you can't get on there but it still sort of looks like land landscaping wow and i was like and also they there the forest fire thing is definitely very real up there like there was a forest fire that destroyed like 30 homes in this general community oh. um and didn't hit my aunts but like i, I it was one of those you know with forest fires where it's like uh the house across the street did you know that burned yeah. to the ground um but i'm i'm so fascinated by that and i and and i think in a very little kid way like this you know the sort of idea of like being ready for the apocalypse do you have that like do you have an again not in a way where i'm like i'm going to build that but in a way that's like god i would love to take like a prepper tour you know in oh, a town in small town in iowa yes. or something you know i think the things that pique my interest well one is um i i enjoy getting prepared for things that's uh-huh. just like it makes me feel good yep. too yeah i feel like it like when the pandemic first started i really prided myself on going through all of our cabinets and pulling out the canned goods and in line and being like yep. okay what do we yes. need what do we have yeah so i enjoy yes. feeling and getting prepared so that part of it piques my interest but also also, yeah, just that sort of curiosity of wanting to explore something that's different that you've never seen before. Like, yeah, it sort of reminds me there was a, a house in my town where um, in my town, just small, boring Massachusetts town. Like when we got a McDonald's, it was like, holy shit, this is the uh-huh. best thing ever. Like that kind yep. of town. Oh, and yeah. there was this on the edge of town. There was a, a street with all just regular Massachusetts sort of Cape Cod style houses. And this one couple, they built the foundation, like basically the basement of the house. And then I don't know what happened. They ran out of money, something with the contractor. And they were just like, you know what? This is good enough for us. So they just built the roof onto the basement foundation. So when you drive by, you're seeing what looks like a house that has sunk into the earth. And all you can see is the top half of a window and then yeah. like a little bit more of the building and then a giant roof. And Whoa. we called it the underground house. Of course you did. And I, in my heart as a child, I always knew it was just a basement. It was like my basement right. with a roof on it. But they right. lived underground. And I wanted yes. to know, like, how do you make that work? What does that space look like? And yes. I was always so curious. But we never, I never knew someone who knew the people who lived there where we could just yeah. go, like, knock on the door and be like, oh, hey, look, I'm with Joe. You know Joe. Can I please see your house? Sure. Um, but then I think when I was, like, in college, 
I was home visiting once and I drove by because it was like a two minute drive from my house and someone else had purchased the house, the property, and they had built a proper house on it. Yeah, so, that was my next question yeah. was that seems like maybe a one or like it seems less likely that when they're ready to leave for whatever reason that somebody else is like, this is also what I want. I know, exactly, exactly, you know? exactly. So yeah, part of me, I really, I was like, man, if like, I don't know, if I were a little bit older and I had the means, I would just buy it myself. Because again, I was in college, I had no money. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was like, part of me, I, I really, I would have bought it, I would have turned it into a museum that nobody would go to probably, but yeah. But so yes, <laughs> would have gone. seeing that door in the side of the hill, that would have, yes. I would have become obsessed with, with wanting oh. to know what's inside. Absolutely. Well, even just being from the West, you know, we just don't have a lot of basements. Uh, like in Arizona, there's just not. I'm trying to think of maybe even one person in Tucson that I was friends with who had a basement. I can't think of anyone at all. Uh, up in like Prescott and Flagstaff, it's a little more common because it does snow. Um, but like just going, I went and visited my friend in Pittsfield um, when I was like, in fourth grade, fifth grade because she had moved to Massachusetts. I think her dad worked for Apple or something, or IBM. And um, and so they moved from, like, you know, a southwestern sort of... They had money, which I never did. So their house still seemed pretty fancy in Tucson, but a fancy house in Tucson tends to more just be, like, the sprawling, single-level ranch house. Um, and they moved to, like, a, you know, four-story, including attic and basement kind of, you know, old Cape cod sort of yeah. house that, you know, the basement smelled so musty and the attic smelled musty in a different way. And it, and it was a really old house. And it was like such a dream for a kid with an imagination. You know, I was like, I couldn't wrap my head around how, like, how much out of a movie or a book it seemed. Um, but it sounds like this small, I mean, if you lived in a small town and they were excited when they got a McDonald's, my guess is there were some old some older houses and like when you say Cape Cod, was it like a small town that was a more recent development or it was or was it like, no, no, this is a town that's been here since, you know, 1789? There were, I, I mean, I, I could tell you that maybe there were houses that were in 1789. That's a very, it feels like a very, that would have been a good year for a house. It, it was definitely, <laughs> I mean, the town that I grew up in was right next to Plymouth where the Pilgrims landed. So there, sure. there were definitely... Okay old I say landed I mean obviously it's a lot more complicated than that right um but <laughs> just the short of it is that they landed they rolled out the gateway yeah and everybody settled in yep so definitely not founded but just where they decided to stay um yeah. so there are there are houses in my town that are only a few of them that are incredibly old like a couple hundred yeah. years old um but otherwise no, my town didn't really start like popping off until I feel like the 70s sort of when, you know, when they were when they actually started building like more developments and there just weren't sort yeah. of random houses here and there. Um, or at least that's when they started rebuilding the town. I don't know what it looked like a long time ago, but um, yeah. but yeah, it was pretty small. Like my town is um, one of the it's not the but it's one of the biggest towns uh, that has cranberry bogs in it so we produce a okay. lot of cranberries okay um, ocean spray is like the next town over like their headquarters um, okay yeah 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 so yeah bogs are weird um, but fun I guess <laughs> they're a fun place like to go ice skating when you're a kid because um, sure. the way I don't know have you ever have you know cranberry bogs not everybody knows what a cranberry no bog no looks no like. I'm so excited to hear more about cranberry bogs oh it's so fascinatingly boring Janet so 
<laughs> bogs. It's, I can't wait. It's basically just, it's like a, it's a big field and it's sunken yeah. in like a foot, two feet maybe. And the cranberries grow on these little vines um, in these giant fields. And then uh-huh. in the fall, this is where it's actually beautiful. They flood the bogs and yeah. the, the water forces the cranberries to pop off like the little vines. And then they float up to this like, you know, I'm foot sorry, of water. this is not boring at all. <laughs> this is wonderful. I never knew this. And, it, and that, that's when it really looks beautiful when the, the bogs are flooded. You just get this gorgeous just sea of cranberries just sure. floating in the water. Uh, and then they just kind of like scoop them all in and they yeah. crate them and then helicopters take them away. Um, but in the winter time, um, you know, if the bogs have water in them, the water will freeze and you can go ice skating without fear of falling yeah. through because yeah, it's only like a yeah. foot of water. So yeah. in my town, luckily, like ice skating, it was so easy for kids to ice skate in our town without the fear of, you know, without sort of any tragedy ever surrounding well, it. Well, sure. Because it's only a foot of water. So, okay. This, I, I have so much to process here. <laughs> I feel like this needs to I, I'm sure it exists in like like quaint YA stories, but I feel that I have been robbed a little bit because that seems like a great little detail to throw into a uh, uh, children's story set on the East Coast. Also, they must have been so excited when they figured out this is that like the difference between like harvesting grapes and any other fruit that you have to go forth and pick versus just being able to be like, all right. Here we go. Get the scooper ready. Yeah. It's hit like the hoses. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's <sighs> definitely not as hard. Yeah. Manual labor is like painstakingly picking grape by grape yeah. by grape. I, w- I mean, if you'd asked me how cranberries got harvested, I would certainly have told you like, of course they pick each one yes. individually. <laughs> do they do, because blueberries aren't like that, right? There's like, is there anything other than cranberries that is in a bog shape? No. I mean, no, blueberries, oh. same thing on bushes. Like, yeah, you know, because that's another thing that you do in my town. You do it for fun. You go blueberry picking i think my yeah. family just they all went together like a month ago or something and yeah just big bushes you just hand pick them if they have a way to get blueberries off the bush maybe they do i've i haven't yeah. i haven't seen it or heard of it but um but yeah cranberry bogs that was a that was a big big old thing in my town how do what are your feelings about in consuming cranberries having grown up with cranberries on the mind um i feel okay about it they weren't like they weren't uh you know they didn't have like a heavy presence in like school lunches or anything. I mean, it would have been nice if they were like, you know, nice homemade baked cranberry scones. But sure. no, you know, we had the, you know, the the frozen steakums and the chicken tenders. And it, I feel like we had, you know, bad public school lunches like everybody who went to public school had. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, I mean, cranberries are incredibly tart. Um, yes, they are. They're yeah. very tart. But I, uh, I feel like I enjoy a good homemade cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, otherwise I feel like they weren't, I mean, our colors, our school colors were like cranberry and gray. Uh, so ah. yeah, but we were the crusaders. We weren't the cranberries. Okay. Which All right. would have the crusaders, cool. huh? Yeah. The crusaders. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> get them, get them, get out there and get them and tell them they're you're, they belong to you now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We had all was, our sports teams. Yeah. We're all, anybody who just had an animal as a sports mascot was so, is so lucky. You know, it's like so uncomplicated. What was your Not mascot? as problematic. 
Uh, we were the Rincon Rangers, again, lending false credibility to this idea that if you're in Tucson, you are a cow person in some way. Uh, we had rodeo vacation when I was in high school, like Wait. as if anybody went to a rodeo. What I mean, I'm sure rodeo some vacation? folks did. It was like a, a vacation that I don't know. I need to find out the actual history of it. But we had like a Friday and Monday off. Or a Thursday and Friday off, I think it was a Friday and Monday off, of one particular weekend in February that dated back to times when rodeos were, like, prevalent enough in Tucson that you would take time off for school because everybody would be going to the rodeo, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't wow. grow up. And I went to public schools, but I, I never met anybody who was, like... Of course, rodeo weekend is everything to us because we go to the rodeo. So I couldn't even tell you if there was a rodeo or if that was just a holdover. And it was yeah. like a fun weekend that everyone figured out, like, this is when you go to Disneyland because no one else is off school, you know. And then teachers were like, oh, this is good. This is like extra planning period time for right. me post winter break or whatever. But So no one questioned yeah. it because everybody benefited. So Exactly. Wow. And we didn't have like, you know, we didn't have like mayfly day or you know some of these small towns like if you said to me well of course we had the cranberry parade (laughs) and the cranberry queen every every autumn you know um i wouldn't be surprised i would be very ready to accept that but i guess you probably would have included that if the cranberry had made it into parade i don't know maybe there was like a there you know what there could have been a cranberry festival that happened i feel like they did there were things in my town that happened in the fall surely i just probably don't remember them or i i skipped them because i was just like Uh home watching saved by the bell or something i don't know (laughs) like for whatever reason there absolutely could have been like i don't know if anybody from my small town is listening they're like no there was the cranberry festival but yeah maybe um man a rodeo that's why have yeah, you ever been to wild. a rodeo i've never been to a rodeo Neither i've never been I. to a rodeo yeah okay got it a find out if you've had a cranberry festival b yeah. go, to a rodeo. go to a rodeo um what kind of teen were you like what was your public school high school if you continue to go to public school what was your high school like was it were there a bunch of schools that or were there a bunch of like elementary and junior high schools that fed into one big school that can that was like multi-town or do you have a small high school no like- we had so growing up we, we had three schools um they were all just within the confines of my town we didn't share with any other towns we had a um, kindergarten through third grade in this one little building and on the same like lot of land um, a, a fourth through sixth grade and that building Got was it. incredibly old like the teachers when I was a kid the teachers had been students themselves in that building mm-hmm. um, and so that was sort of like K through six you're in those two different buildings and then we had a high school that was seventh through twelfth grade um, but the seventh and eighth graders had a, di- a slightly different schedule so they wouldn't be in the hallways the same times gotcha. as the ninth through 12th grade. So even though we were in the same building, because yeah. our times were a little different, like if you were in ninth through 12th grade, you would never see, you know, a seventh or eighth grader. Um, and and that so was it. And I mean, yeah. my class had like, I think like a hundred kids in it. Um, mm-hmm. So not incredibly big. It's always wild to me when I meet people who had such a large class that if you were to, you know, name a kid, oh, do you know so-and-so? And they're like, no, I don't think so. And you're in the same grade as that person. Oh, yeah. That's so wild to me because uh-huh. everybody knows everybody in my town. There were like, I don't want to say like legacy families, but, you know, the parents yeah. who like they went to high school with my parents, you know, that sort of thing. And sure. And then like your brother is the same age as this kid. And so families, everybody just knew each other in my town. So 
Um, yeah, it was like small town vibes, but not like, you know, not like teeny tiny, like too long food. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar, we're going to visit right. that kind of small town, small town vibes. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I've said this before, but I'm just so fascinated by the the way that that shapes whether or not you feel like whether or not a kid feels like they can experiment with who they are mm-hmm. and like sort of go through like did you ever hit a point where and or if not you did you have friends or since you kind of knew everybody were there kids who were like okay came back from summer vacation maybe they went off to camp or something and they came back and they were like hi I now have black hair you know and like yeah. I now dress this way mm-hmm. and how do you sort of pull that off in that I feel like that would be an environment that would be like sort of less accepting or more impatient about stuff like that. But I could be wrong. It could be yeah. like, no, it was embraced. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, cool. Like you brought something else into the, into our, you know, style that we didn't have before or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. Yeah. You're right. You'd think that with a small town that, yeah, sort of if you come everyone back. Everyone would be like, we know poser. you. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, di- I definitely went through that phase. I think when I was in maybe... It might have been like my sophomore year of high school, maybe even my junior year. I feel like I sort of had like a late blooming um, sort of experimentation phase where um, it was around the time when it was around the time when I started like making movies in high school. I think I there was a, a cable access studio in my town. Um, and they rented space in my high school and it was like this little studio with like giant cameras that you see like on like the news, the, the giant, yeah. giant ones Oh, sure. and, um, a little editing bay with like deck to deck VHS linear editing. Cause I'm dating myself right now. Um, and I sort of around that time, I feel like that was where the, I don't know, a different like side of me creatively opened up. And I think I was also hanging out with um kids who were also like really expressing themselves they didn't care what anybody thought this one girl Desiree um she's since passed away sadly but um mm-hmm. I remember one day she would wear these like v- red vinyl shiny outfits and like oh, jet wow. black lipstick yeah and I just remember one day she came into school with like a pirate patch and I was like are you okay did something oh happen god I and love her she was like no I'm just she's like some sometimes so much creativity flows out of me I just gotta patch it up and I was like <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought she was amazing and yes so I feel like I sort of oh. started I sort of like fell into her friend group and sort of started adopting their style of I would, I remember, I mean, I went through the manic panic phase where I dyed my hair sure. all sorts of colors and oh, so I wore though. bracelets from my wrist to my elbow and each yes. one meant something different. And I wore like Aww. really baggy pants and like, I look like a skater kid, but I'd never yep. set foot on a skateboard. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and I would like make these little movies and by, I would borrow the cameras, these heavy ass cameras and either take them out and make movies or I would like build, I would bring all the stuff from my own house and sort of build these little sets um, in the cable access studio and make movies. Uh, What were the movies about? I mean, not to say they had to all be about one thing, but like, what are, can you remember a couple of like classics? Yeah, I mean, they were were bad. I definitely, I wasn't trying to, in in retrospect, I wasn't actually like, I wasn't trying to say anything with them. I just wanted to, I I do remember one sketch um, that, 
the movie when I was in, I don't even know. I, don't, I was probably like 12, 13, 14. I don't know. But that movie Multiplicity came out with Michael Keaton. Do you remember this oh, movie? Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. With Andy McDowell. Yes. I think, I'm sure I saw it once. I may, may not remember it too well. But yeah, he's clones himself. He right, clones sure. himself. So, yeah. but they had done this. It was like the first time in a movie where they had really like blown up the um, sort of like a split screen where you can have an actor playing multiple roles up until yes. Multiplicity. I feel like it would always be flat somebody side by yeah. side and then you do yes. body doubles but these these actors were moving through space and there were like five of them and it was yeah. so incredible to me so i was like yes. i'm going to make my own multiplicity so <gasps> i shot it so ambitious i love it it was oh it was so bad i'll have to find it i have it somewhere <laughs> but so um i had this one one actor and he was playing i think he played three or four different roles maybe and it was, I was using, again, split screen technology in probably 1998. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And and then, yeah, using body doubles and like poorly, everybody had wigs. It looks awful. It's, <laughs> the editing is terrible, but I I feel like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was super fun to make. And I was like really proud of it afterwards, even yeah. though looking back, like it's got awful. But um, yeah, so those were the types of things I would, I would make. Um, I would also just like, shoot like I would just go around shooting things and like set them to like like I'd like make it all black and white and like set it to Creed yeah. music like here's an abandoned yeah. bus in the back of a cranberry bog again not yeah. I don't have anything to say I was just trying to create uh-huh. a mood yes um, which yeah. I mean that's art that's fully art like you know what I mean like I don't know that David Lynch feels like he always has something <laughs> he has to, has to say he just has like pictures in his head that, you know, he wants to rather than just paint them on a canvas, like or set them as photography, he wants them to be moving pictures, you yeah. know, that's like actual moving pictures mm-hmm. in the literal sense of the word kind yeah. of. But um, but I think that's so cool. And and even just like you getting to know that equipment and being like, you know, because when you see some of those old cameras, I mean, even still doing three camera or four camera like sitcom and stuff, those cameras are fucking big. Yeah. You know, they're on those dollies. Mm-hmm. It sort of it looks like you're riding a, like a small T-Rex, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. when you're when you're man behind one. Um, so the fact that, you know, I think that's I, I don't know. And, and not to be like, you know, so judgmental about the the past eras, but. I just didn't have, like, any friend of mine who was shooting stuff with a video camera of any kind, whether it be, like, a handheld home cam or whatever, I, I don't have any girlfriends who were who were girls who were doing that. And I do feel... And everyone was a boy. And I do feel like somehow the messaging, you know, or just based on, like, representation and what you see about and around was not, like, well, of course women can make their own movies and stuff. Like, right. it just wasn't that pervasive and so you know you had to be a kid that was like i i want to do this mm-hmm. like why can't i do this yeah to sort of like even crossing that tiny little barrier that barrier can feel really big when you're a teenager so i think it's awesome yeah. that you're like well here it is why wouldn't i yeah and maybe desiree was part of that you know yeah having that person who's like yeah we make films yeah it's actually easier for me to see if i have my patch yeah. on than i'm looking <laughs> through the one lens with one eye and it doesn't distract me yeah yeah and 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 also to and to go back to your um, your original question of like, you know, was it uh, because I came from a small school, was it sort of accepted or were people like, what are you doing? It was it was just weirdly accepted. And I, and I wasn't yeah. the only one who there's this kid named uh, Dan who, you know, growing up, he had like the thickest Coke bottle glasses. He had like a very, very round reddish face. And he had a growth spurt one summer 
and came back and he had contacts and he was now like a skater kid and had like spiked gelled hair and yeah. had made this like complete transformation yeah. and and nobody nobody gave him any crap for it at least that i remember mm-hmm. i don't like i i feel like i'm like are, are these memories real like <laughs> or am i just sort of projecting what i wished or imagined had happened right. i believe my memories are real um but yeah, yeah. i don't really remember and I think too, it's because a lot of us, I think, had these. We're sort of really exploring who we were in like our later years. When mm. I definitely felt like by like my you know junior year of high school, clicks had kind of melted away, and everybody mm. was just cool with each other. Definitely by my senior year, everybody yeah. was just kind of like matured in this really weird way where yeah. there were no more clicks, and we were all just like happy to be around each other. It was very very bizarre. I wonder if it is because by virtue of being smaller, a smaller school and like sort of, I mean, it's if it's a small school and and you aren't getting it's not a feeder school from other places like you guys are kind of all in it together. And, you know, it's like you're probably going to run into those people elsewhere in your life. And if you're doing anything extracurricular, I would imagine that there's crossover that starts happening you know, depending on what people's interests are and like after school Mm -hmm. groups or whose parents are friends with each other in a way that maybe creates that sort of blend that uh, that helps that helps those things kind of disintegrate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the story about the the, the transformation of the the chubby kiddo. into Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely when I was younger, I had a really hard time. Like I had in like elementary school, like I had bullies. I was like, bullied relentlessly like I used to play the drums when I was a kid but my bully also played the drums and so she was just like relentless so I like quit because I just like couldn't be (sighs) around her anymore but then by senior year junior year like we were totally cool with each other and um so yeah younger years were definitely harder but yeah sort of by like mid high school years I'm thankful because I know so many people who had terrible experiences all throughout middle school and junior high and high school so I do feel thankful that sort of my high school years, um, you know, were, were just were better, I think, than, than when I was yeah. younger. Were you dating? Did you go out on dates and stuff? Have boyfriends? Yeah. Boyfriends? For Anybody? most of high school, this is like so small town, but I, um, yeah, I dated, I, it wasn't the boy next door. He was the boy behind the house and across the street and then his house. <laughs> um, but he was someone, when I grew up, I lived on a cul-de-sac and we had our group, we just called them the neighborhood. And there were, I don't know, there were like 12 of us maybe. And we ranged from at one point, cause I know, cause I used to write these in our diaries. You know, when you just write weird things, like I was like, here are all the yes. kids, here are the ages of the kids oh, in the neighborhood. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I remember at one time, like the youngest, we didn't really hang out with him, but he was like my, one of the kids' little brothers. He was eight. And I think the oldest was like 16, but the mm. range of us was mostly like 12 to 16 and then sort of like give or take. But um, and yeah, we, because I lived on a cul-de-sac, we played kickball and baseball. We like spray painted bases on the cul-de-sac. Um, oh, nice. we would ride bikes together and, you know, like we had pegs on the back wheels. So you would stand on the pegs and then hold on to the shoulders of the person riding. And, sure. Um, so my high school boyfriend, we dated for like almost four years of all throughout high school, um, was a kid in the wow. neighborhood who was also, his name is Jared and his sister was my best friend. Even though we'd we'd all met at like the same time, but she did get yeah. very upset because I didn't ask for I her was permission. Ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, was it okay after like the initial being upset, or was it like 
did it what did she continue to feel like it was a betrayal in the sense of like you're my friend why are you with my brother now why is he a priority no it ended up being okay after i mean i guess after while. four years yeah. she probably <laughs> yeah. over so yeah it ended up being okay um but uh but yeah so that was yeah that was mostly my high school experience like yeah with dating I, you know we just we dated all throughout high school and um you know i weirdly had these like sort of grand visions of us like getting married and stuff while I was in high school, which is wild. But yeah, but I also knew that because we also we continued dating. So he was a year under me. So when I was a freshman at college, he was a senior in high school. And my freshman year of college, I, I was local. Um, but I knew I wanted to uh, go to film school in Savannah. And so even though I was applying and getting into the school and getting ready to go, I still somehow thought we were just going to still be together, even yeah. though I was moving away. Yeah. Well, gosh, at four years in high school, that becomes, I mean, that is so normal that he's such a part of your every day mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah. I mean, how, it's, like, a, it's hard it's to imagine outside that of that. Yeah. yeah. It's a really long, yeah. it's a long time. I mean. For some people, it's a long time all the way up into adulthood. And, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, I had a friend who had a couple of friends who had those long-term relationships. And I've said this on the podcast before, but, like, I just couldn't understand it then. Not that I didn't respect it. I genuinely couldn't understand it. Like, it was a mystery to me. Like, what have you figured out that you just keep wanting to be with each other every day, like, year after year? Because... You know, either my interest would would wane or the other person's would. Everybody's getting their hearts crushed left and right every, you know. And so to have these like very mature friends who were like, no, they're still going strong. Everyone was like, what's their secret? I, this is like magical to me, you know. That's so funny. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. When was the first pregnancy test made? How many things have we left on the moon? What's the history of ASMR? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? (laughs) (laughs) And my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say f***. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Like in high school, were you, was the idea of that type of commitment and the idea of like getting your heart broken, was that something that was very scary? Um, I, I, it's a good, that's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. I'm trying to think if I, I don't think, um, when I was that age, I think I was much more like, driven by um it's so embarrassing because you really feel like you're just the most mature person in the world back then and in some ways you know you are more than people give you credit for but I feel like I was very much like the kid who was like jaded you know I mean my parents were divorced blah 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 but whose weren't but you know it was the sense of like and my dad had had like you know my mom never had a relationship to my knowledge that I was ever privy to again and my parents split up when I was like five maybe younger 
And then my dad just would have a string of girlfriends who were lovely, but who would want him to marry them. And then he would say no. And then that would go away. And so these wonderful women that I, you know, had gotten close to would just sort of be gone from my life. And so I do feel like by the time I was a teenager, I was like, nothing lasts, man. Nothing lasts. There's no point in even trying. Like, it's fine. You know, you just got to enjoy it. Just ride it while you can. Just enjoy that feeling. But it's not going to last. So I think I wasn't even like, I don't think I even considered that it would even be possible for me. I feel like I was just like very sure mm-hmm. that, you know, part of part of be just being a person for me is going to be there's going to be a lot of hurt. Um, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's that I mean, that totally makes sense that 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 would sort of inform. Yeah. The situation with your parents, how that would sort of inform your own yeah feelings about it. And I guess was there was there a point in your life where that either that faded away or you decided to like just I'm going to be brave. I'm going to put this behind me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to commit or. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I mean, I committed to people. I can't believe this is, wait, this is not working. This, you're the subject of this oh, sorry. Uh, conversation. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just so curious now. No, no. It's a great question. Um, I know I kind of feel like I, I mean, I, I certainly had some lovely relationships um, that lasted longer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got longer the older I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I felt like, I don't know all due respect to the wonderful people that I have had relationships with over time. I don't know that I ever felt for more than like the first six months, like this is it, Mm -hmm. like this is going to last until I met the person that I'm with now. And it, and then I became an instant convert, like, you know, but I was in my Mm thirties, you know, it was like, I I became an instant. The second I like fell in love with this person, I was like, Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you can totally meet your soulmate. Don't even worry about it, you guys. Don't even worry. And people are like, who is this person? You know, because yeah. I did always sort of like, I think, I, yeah, it was like, it felt somehow more familiar to, to kind of continue to engender this idea of like, it's okay. People are going to come and go. That's part mm-hmm. of life, man. That's cool. It's all right. Yeah. You know, protecting your heart. I guess so. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Um, so what then what happened when you went off to Savannah and went to film school? Was that, did, were you both like, Oh, shit. Uh, Well, no, he actually, so the summer before I moved to Savannah, it it was probably like early June, he broke up with me. And I, again, I I was like so delusional. I don't know why I thought he, like, I I, I, I seriously, I don't know why I thought it it would last when I moved to Savannah. Um, But he, yeah, he broke up with me at the beginning of the summer which was shocking for me because I was looking forward to hanging out that summer. And, um, you know, and then I guess when I went off to school, that would maybe be when we broke up. And I I think... But I love that you hadn't really thought it through. Like, even uh, just what you're saying now, it's clearly like you weren't like, and then I knew you're like, I I don't know, I guess I... I And and probably what was happening, I, you know, I was probably smothering him a lot Mm. leading up to that um, because, Mm. like, he played in a band and I would always... You know, I was always like the girlfriend who is like sitting on the couch in the basement on like, you know, the like super old like corduroy couch, like watching my boyfriend's band play. And Hmm. I, you know, wanted more of his time. And um, I, (laughs) I like inserted myself into his band because him and his dad, (laughs) I had him and his dad, I asked them to teach me how to play the guitar and they did. And I was like, I guess I'm in the band now. (laughs) Um, So like they would play. 
that's amazing. They would play like Three Doors Down covers and oh. like Creed covers. And I was like, no, we got to learn some letters to Cleo, guys. So because I was like my favorite like all rock uh-huh, chick uh-huh. band of the 90s. And and was it all other boys? Yeah. Was, it just, was the band all boys? All and dudes. then you came Eric, in and were like, here I am. KJ. Yeah, oh. Jared. All were, guys. And, and they were like to at least uh, f- facing outward. They were like, yeah, you can be in the band. Like, it's cool. We like you. Or do you think that backs behind the scenes where people are like, what the fuck is she doing? Yeah, like, Yoko, I think that's Yoko what it was. Yoko Ono is trying to get up in our business. She's yeah. like, wants to be a Beatle. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I Yoko the shit out of that band. But they, yeah, I mean, they would let me, They like, they learned a Letters to Cleo song for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they were kind of like, hey, this is our thing. Why don't you guys <laughs> find your own time to... This out. is all great. I am so ready for you to write oh. your movie or your TV show or your book about the you of the cranberry bogs and the ice skating mm-hmm. and the like <laughs> the high school marriage and like joining their band. It's adorable. Like you really it feels like, you know, it's like Harriet the Spy's cousin, you know, <laughs> in high school. Like it feels very like, oh, I have so much like I feel so much tenderness for the you that was like, I'll be in the band also. Yeah. And then I also have all this tenderness for the guys who were like, Oh okay. Yeah. You know, it's so adorable to me. Yeah, it was oh. it was bad. And I think the name of their I think the name of their band was Everybody Sucks But Jared, which <laughs> I feel like for everybody but Jared, like that was a little bit of a slap in the face for the other yeah. members of the band. But um, why, why, why was that? I don't know? I don't know. They, I think they tossed around some names, and that's just oh, kind of what God. they landed on. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, I was, yeah, I was, so, I was also, I was so boy crazy when I was younger too. So that that probably explains why I was like smothering him. I've learned. I have, but I don't know learned. because if say you were boy crazy, that could mean that you were like, and I, you know, it was very hard for me because I would meet a new boy and be like, is he the one? Maybe I should leave Jared. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have gone that way. Yeah. What, what, so when he broke up with you, I mean, because that was such a big deal, I would imagine that you can conjure those feelings. Like, can you sort of really kind of almost feel how it felt when he said that to you? Like, when you think about it, do you sort of get your like, if you're not getting the actual stomach flip and like the face turning into pins and needles, is it like close enough that you're like oh I can remember like I'm always like I can remember what Twix tastes like I have not eaten a Twix bar in like 20 years but I fully could tell like I 100% if someone gave me the ingredients I mean like I could like <laughs> I can somehow it. put together exactly that that Twix taste so do, is it like that where you're like oh god I, I can get pretty fucking close to feeling those feelings I yeah I remember I, I remember two specific moments first was he tried to break up with me once like when we were driving or we were in the car, maybe we were parked, but I remember crying and begging so much that he yeah. took it back. And oh, I saw that as a God. win instead of yeah. like, oh no, I'm just delaying the inevitable, yes, which was yes. then like three days later, he broke up with me again. Yes. But I was so, oh, I was God. so in denial. Like yeah. he broke up with me and I made him take it back like that's sad (laughs) I just couldn't respect the decision because I was a teenager and I was hormonal and immature but of course I do remember then the second time he broke up with me for good I have a very vivid memory of sitting in this like oversized chair kind of like curled up in a ball watching MTV and (sighs) the song wherever you will go by the calling 
came on like the, I saw the music video for the first time and and I burst into tears and I just remember crying and then I remember learning how to play the song on the guitar because yes. Jared had taught me so that I could yes. play it when the music video was not on and sing it and oh. cry um oh. I do very vividly remember that I remember you know because he did live in the house behind my house across the street the next house yeah. I could look out my kitchen window and see his front door and I would see him coming and going. And because my best friend still lived in that house because well, sure. she was his sister. I, sure. I remember once being over there. He wasn't home. And I was down in their oh. basement in the laundry room. And I was like upset and crying. And she was there. And their mom was there. And they were, you know, being very sweet, comforting me. And I remember I heard him come in the door. Oh, and and I think there was like a girl or two. Like they were oh, friends no. of his, but they were with yeah. him. And I just heard like female voices and I like yeah. lost it. And uh, <sighs> that's so it was real. So, yeah, I did, there are specific so moments real. that when I, I can I can see myself back there, I can picture like wh where where I was and how I was sitting and if I look around here's exactly what I see. I remember yes. like the smell of their basement when I was down there like yes. um yeah, I remember oh all those God. things. It's so true, especially oh god, yeah, that the feeling of that never goes away. Like if a relationship ends that you don't want to be over, up to and including friendships, you know, I don't feel like that feeling ever goes away of the feeling of of and that's why everyone's like don't shit where you eat. Don't date people you work with. Don't date people who are like, you know, live in your dorm or whatever, because it's such a special kind of acute pain when you're forced to like just get a little peek at someone's life going on without you. Mm -hmm. Like that is, you know, if that person lives across the country, it's awful. But after a while, there's just no stimuli to remind you know what I mean you're like oh that then it, they sort of become fictitious in some sort of way maybe mm -hmm. as our heart's way of protecting ourselves but when you do have to like you know you're like like overhear him like chatting and laughing with girls whether or not they're he's interested in them the feeling of like oh my god they have something that I don't mm -hmm. have access to anymore is such a heart like oh it's just so painful it's so painful especially when you're that age yeah it, it, and, and <sighs> like it, it it's sort of it, it's sort of the equivalent like maybe I shouldn't have been going over there maybe I shouldn't have been looking out the window like it it's right. sort of the equivalent now of you know going on someone's Instagram just on someone's Facebook and yeah exactly Facebook <laughs> and seeing what's up like I yeah. I should have I should have muted <laughs> myself yeah. from him Oh, God, um, but, I mean, that appro yeah. that physical approximation. And again, you know, having the like of like having the sympathy of, first of all, your best friend, like who else are you going to, you know, want to talk to about it? And then also having there is also something about like the mom or parent that loved you when a breakup happens. And if there's any possibility of still connecting with that person, having to be like, you know, I think he made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I just want you to know that I think you're so terrific. Yeah. I thought of you as my own daughter. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that you're yeah. like, feed me with that. Yes, please. I this know. still feels like a win somehow, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh. It was tough. But yeah, I feel like the the thing I've and maybe you can relate to this. I've talked about this with a lot of women lately, but it's it's more about like the be the best friendship, which was uh, me and Danielle, who was his sister. Who, yeah. when we were in high school, we were like, I mean, we were the same person. We yeah. we were the same person, and she's someone who. I think because we were friends at such a young age, 
like I can, I feel like I can only ever truly be myself with that person, mm. even like with my husband, yeah. just anybody else. She's someone who weirdly, I can be the most vulnerable person I am with. Yeah. And, you know, there was a point in our lives where um, I had moved away for college. Um, she wasn't really sure what she was going to do. And uh, our lives, there was just this moment where we were sort of on track to being the same person. And then the, mm. it just, the, the fork became so wide. Yeah. And over the years, um, we've, you know, we stay in touch. She ended up moving to South Carolina. Um, she's an addict um, who's someone mm. who's really struggled to get sober over the years. And mm. there sort of came this like point in our relationship where, we were like, are we sort of treating this friendship like a marriage where, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're 11 and you say best friends forever, you know, do we sort of make this declaration that we're going to be best friends forever, even though when you grow apart, you know, there's a point where all signs point to the fact that maybe it's not healthy for you to be friends anymore. Like if she and I met on the street today, we would not be friends. And there's something about your past that's always keeping you in that relationship. But for us, it just, it wasn't healthy for me. I can yeah. say for me, it wasn't healthy anymore. Um, yeah. And I, uh, like a thing happened and I had to make a decision like a couple months ago where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And, yeah. but it's, it, it's really wild that we, I think sometimes, especially with women, we hold on to these female best friendships for so long, even though yeah. like, they're just not good for us anymore. And, and, you know, whether it's because, you know, like with her again, we, we really like, we sort of came into being like women together, you know, like she, you know, it's the, it's the most like formidable years. And, and, and yeah, I think we just spend a lot of time kind of every time we talked so much of it was just living in the past. And, um, and it becomes harder when one person is like struggling more in the present because Mm -hmm. that re that revisiting of the past can feel like very safe and very mm-hmm. healing and like a balm, you know, mm-hmm. to sort of take away the moment of, of what you're feeling in, in in the immediacy of like the now. Mm-hmm. But if the other person isn't having that exact same experience, it's totally there's a there's a disconnect there, too. Yeah. Where you're sort of in the past, but there's a sense of like, you know, like I have a friend who, yeah, who sort of like does feel like, you know, they were at their best then not in a like I was you know quarterback of the football team or I was homecoming queen or anything like that but just because of having struggle with with addiction and mental illness and stuff um does sort of have you know like really sees that time as the simple Mm -hmm. like I didn't have to deal with that stuff yet Mm -hmm. and so it has a different that the the level of nostalgia is so much more intense than it is for me um and I always you you want to like be there in that place with that person to give them what they need from it. But at the same time, to your point, like how long can you do that? Mm-hmm. Because then you're not really being honest anymore. Yeah. And then there, and then that's already put space between you and that person, you know? Yeah. I, I, like with us, like weirdly, it, the nostalgia stuff um, and sort of living in the past, like that was all like, I, I, that was a part that I, I actually like really enjoyed talking about the old days. I yeah. think like, at least for me, because, you know, 
I, I never felt like I could come to her with a problem that I had because right. her problems always felt like it, it, it always felt so sum, dumb and silly to me, my own problems yeah. when, you know, she's having a hard time, like putting gas in her car and, yes. you know, and she, I think, um, you know, from her perspective and, and maybe, you know, again, maybe this is the truth, but, you know, she was always like, I, I feel like you think you're, you're better than me. And, mm-hmm. and it's because I would. I would come down on her about the decisions that she was making in her life. And, and, and I I think the the sort of breaking point for me, just to get like candid is that, you know, I, I've given her money over the years because, you know, because she, she has two children. And when she has said, you know, I, I haven't been able to buy my daughter diapers and, I give her money and then find out that she's using and that's oh what the money is going Carrie, toward. That's, and like, that's so much. And that's like a parental relationship at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because it's like you. she's put you in a position of... Th- you have both put you in a position of authority once you're, you know... Like that, doesn't that feel parental? Did you, at at times where you're like, I'm not your mom. Like now I feel like your mom. Like somehow we've made this relationship into, I gave you money and I found out you're using and I'm disappointed in you the way a mother would be. Yeah. You know? And like, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's, and I think like it, what's hard is that, you know, when you're, when you're, when your best friend is struggling, you want to help them. And in helping her, I'm enabling her. And, and I've talked about, um, this with her dad a lot recently, her dad and I are very close. Her mom, unfortunately passed away like two years ago. Um, but you know, we can't, we can't help her. And it's, it's so incredibly heartbreaking. And, and I, I I should have known better that I, I should have known better and not given her any money. Um, cause this was the, well, the second time it had happened, mm. but she's a really good liar. Yeah. Um, and I take it easy on yourself with that. You yeah, know what I mean? I, you know, and, and I, and I know it's, a, I know it's a disease. We have to treat it like a disease. She is not a bad person. Um, mm-hmm. but it just, it became too much. And I, you know, and, and her dad's been through it too. Like we just need to stop. I mean, not that we yeah. can't worry about her, but we need to stop trying to help her because she truly, yeah. she can only help herself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's well, gosh, it's you're not alone in that. I mean, not to say like I need to send you out to an Al Anon meeting or whatever, because <laughs> the different things work for different people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, it's such a familiar story and that's heartbreaking. But it's also, you know, in terms of how tough on yourself you are and, and you know, those, those, those songs that start playing in your head over and over that are like, could I have done, what if I had, you know, Maybe if I had not done that, but like found out about this and then I could have sent her to da da da. Like, mm-hmm. you're so right. It's, it's, it's so hard because knowing how to be of help in a situation with addiction is, it's like no one ever feels old enough to have to make that decision, including parents. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, parents of teenagers are like, I don't, I don't feel prepared for this. Like, I don't feel old enough, mature enough. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to get to some point in your life where like you would know the answers to that. Right. And if the answer is a tough one, you can take it and you're not going to make a decision out of love or you're not going to make a decision that's easy in the moment, but creates more of a problem later. Like, I don't think anyone ever feels ready for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I really, I really feel for you. And, I, you know, just a little experience I've had with that, which I definitely have had in my family is, yeah, it was definitely like let go let god like having to be like i 
I'm not the I'm not the answer. I'm clearly not the answer. Mm-hmm. And that's has to be OK with me and whatever OK means. And then, you know, in my situation, that person did hit a bottom and did have to very much want to get better and right. nothing, nothing would have worked. Mm-hmm. And once they get on the other side of that, of course, they're the first persons to say that. Yeah. Like once you get on the other side, you're like, please, no, you never could have helped. Like there was nothing you could do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's hard when the person isn't there. Um, yeah. Maybe and- she'll come go get get over to the other side just for everyone's <laughs> well-being, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm getting very emotional. But like. Oh, my God. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. And if you want me to cut any of this no, out, no. I just I just know like that's why I love these conversations, because I know there are people listening who have gone through this or are going through this right now, too. And just feeling like, oh, you know, again, that feeling of not being alone. And maybe it's easier to hear it on a podcast than going into a room full of strangers, you know? Yeah. No, um, please don't don't cut anything out. So I I'm think- to like no, don't even you know please don't if if one person can you know take something away from this but i think yeah. she's had i mean so many rock bottoms that Ugh. the types of situations where you're like there's no way she's gonna do it again and right, she still right. does and you know i was talking to her dad like a week ago and he said i hate to say this because she's my daughter he said but i her rock bottom is going to be death that's going to be her only rock bottom yeah. and i know he's right and that's what makes it Oof. so hard to I had to cut her out because I needed to do what was best for me. Well, but, you have to grieve. Yeah. I mean, you have to grieve the person that's that you can't have in your life yeah. and that's a person who is, you know, succumbed to a thing that is really really hard to get through and yeah. You know, it's like that my mom had dement early onset dementia Oops, and the feeling of knowing someone is around, but they're not the person that you want them to be, yeah. whether they can control it or not, is like it is a very singular emotional torture. Yeah. And I think that people who live with both of those things, obviously one is different because that person is not making any quote unquote choices opposed to addiction where we have to sort of be reminded like, well, it really feels like this person's just making bad choices and that makes me angry. And then you have to sort of, the rhetoric is much stronger and you have to use it more because you really do have to be like, this is an addiction. It's a disease. It's not this person's fault, but that doesn't mean that I can take it away either, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's a really, really hard place to exist. And I really feel for her, you know, her dad and for you because that's a, that's a, Oh, that's an awful thing to come to terms with, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it's like you... Because you're grieving. You're, you're grieving, gr- but yeah. you feel that you're betraying the person who's still around because you're like, I shouldn't be grieving this person. They're still there. I what know. if there's something I should be doing? It's like, you might just need to grieve, you know? Yeah. And, just, and yeah, I, you <sighs> know, it's just, it, it's like, I, I just feel like I'm just waiting for a phone call one day. And, yeah, you know, <sighs> I... I really, I wish I, because uh, I know she wants to. I know she wants to more than anything. Like, yeah. a, a, you know, every every time that she would relapse, she would always say, like, you know, how disappointed she was that she had let down her family and her friends. And of course, of she would course. always say, like, nobody hates me more than me. Trust me. I and know. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. That's know. doesn't fit. That makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, is you know when you disappoint yourself and you have this thing that. You know, you're like, well, if if I keep expecting myself to disappoint myself, then I'm going to keep disappointing mm-hmm. myself. Like I will perpetuate, you'll self perpetuate that forever. Yeah, and, and I, that's really really hard. I feel like I spent years to like, and I feel like you and I are both. I feel you and you know, you and I are obviously both very much into like the true crime, and we love like solving a mystery and solving a puzzle. Yeah. And 
for years I felt like, you know, okay, okay, we're, you, you relapse, you're going to get sober again. Let's look at it. What can we be doing differently? This and yes. that. And trying to figure out what is it? What is the thing, you know, <sighs> yeah. when you're, you know, if, if you, you know, you're going to meetings, you have a sponsor and, and, right. and, you know, just always trying to figure out what is the thing. And for her, I, I think, I think that, I don't know. And her, again, her dad and I were talking about this and I think it's like, she continues to date other addicts who are in recovery. And when they yeah. end up relapsing it's always like it tends to be at least the way she tells the story it tends to be the person that she's with mm-hmm. that starts using again and then gets her to start mm-hmm. using again and then it just sort of snowballs from there so mm-hmm. i was like okay you know we're 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 in we're in sober life right now let's talk about making good decisions let's yes. not date any more people who are also in recovery and she's like nobody else wants to date me because i'm an addict so i you know what i mean these are the only types of guys right. that i can date so you know, I just, so I eventually, I just, I threw my hands up and I, that's, that's a decision that she's, and maybe that's not the answer. That's probably not the answer. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but that's me just sort of, again, just trying to like rack my brain and do anything that I can to go, okay, what can we do differently this time? And I don't, I don't know if there's, and that's, and, and, you know, again, that's like, you're, all of those impulses are correct, but you know, I'm sure, I mean, what I hear when you say that is that she, even in sobriety, is is finding doors back in. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's that that reasoning is like, oh, okay. So now you've seen that that's a pattern, and you're still doing it. So yeah. that's not sober living. That's dry. That's being a dry user, yeah. right? Because you're. It's a really good way of describing. Because you're it, yeah. you're you still feel you're out of control of the situation. You still feel like it's happening to you that you're choosing someone who then happens to choose to use who happens to get you back into mm-hmm. it. That still feels like oh, so you've put two s- tiny steps between you and using. Right. But like and this time you think you've seen it happen before. Exactly. 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 So it's still a version of like making sure the cycle, you know, continues. Um, Do you mind if I ask, like, how are her kiddos? Like, does she have do Mm -hmm. they have like a support system? Yeah. So right now her her son, uh, he's um, I think her son is uh, maybe 11 um, and he lives with his dad um, who's a great man and it takes really, really great care of him. And her daughter, um, I think is, I think her daughter's four or five. Um, and her daughter Mm. lives with her grandparents right now. Um, and also is doing really well. So, I mean, that's something when I talk to her dad, because that's the most important thing is like, how are her kids or her kids being well taken care of? And, and I'm yeah. sorry for it took me that long to say her kids are doing okay because I feel like there's maybe a parent who's listening to this and they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's like ten minutes chewing ago, their nails you off, chewing their fingers off. Where are the kids? Totally. How are the kids? Totally. And yes, yeah, so no, as a as a mother, I also feel like I that would have like... been the first thing that you said that you were upset about yeah. if that was what was going. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I in my back of my mind was like, uh, they they're probably fine because yeah, that would be the conversation if they weren't like yeah. accounted for. You know, but it's yes, um, they're oh. they're doing well, but but again. Like, you know, her addiction has ripple effects and, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, asking about mom and what's up with mom, where's mom? And so, you know, it it does, it it breaks my heart. Like once you put kids in the mix, it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. Like, you know, and, 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 and that was one of those moments where when she had her son, I was like, well, this is the thing that's really gonna turn it around. She has a child now, and right. it didn't. And right, um, yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's just, it's, it's very heartbreaking and, um, yeah, it's just, it's very heartbreaking. And I, I'm sure there are a lot, of, I mean, obviously there are so many people that, um, you know, have other people in their lives who deal with addiction and it's not easy and, um, it just sucks. It just it sucks. sucks. It absolutely fucking sucks. Yeah. It's so rough. I I'm I really feel for you, and I feel for her, and I feel for her kids, and I feel for her dad, and you know, it's 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 so hard, and it's it's just so common, and yeah. you know, it's the 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 wanting to know what to do or the wanting to know how to help in some way, like you know, I think it it does kind of become like, okay, how do I grieve over here? And then still feel like maybe I'm doing something does become like, is there, you know, do you know, what can I do for their kid, her kids? Or mm -hmm. is there an organization that I know is dedicated to helping people on a professional level that if I'm going if I would have given money to her wishing that she would use it for X, Y, Z, like will it heal you a little bit during mm -hmm. your grieving process to, you know, to donate a little bit of money to an organization mm -hmm. that that you know has a great track record mm -hmm. for helping addicts and stuff and feel like okay if i can't zero in laser point on this one specific person but my heart really wants to help and to feel like i'm not deserting the situation right. then like i feel like there are ways you can sort of i don't want to say like sublimate because that sounds like bad and i but in this case i don't think it is mm -hmm. i think it's like at least i know that you know I'm giving money and it's not going to go towards usage. Like I know mm -hmm. I'm giving money towards the thing I really wanted the money to go towards right. when it was her. Right. Right. It's, you know? it's having a sense of you are, it, it's taking back that sense of control. I can do, yeah. I, if I can't do this, I can do this. Which and, yeah. by the way, like to your point, you know, you and I met through because of truth and justice and um, with a case that is happening this season, it happens to be, I mean, I didn't know, like I've known Bob for years now and I didn't know when he asked me, to be a part of this season, I didn't know yet what the case was about. And so it's been such a trip that of all the cases that he's ever worked on, that this one would be, you know, sort of focusing on, yes, of course, her parents, but because of the, the investigation, the way it was done, you know, that, that it's this teenage girl who died. Um, it's, it's, it's so much more intense than I can, you know, I just, it's very, very interesting because that's like a place that's so near, dear to my heart already. And I, there are so many people in that community who are like, you know, maybe we are dealing with our own shit and maybe we can't impact what's right in front of us the way we wish we could for reasons just like those you named. And that it is, I think a lot of people are drawn to, to those kinds of communities, active ones, not like, oh my God, did you hear about the serial killer who blah, 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 that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like not that. Yeah. But the sort of like, how do we, what are we getting out? Like, how do we help here? Or how do we understand this? And like, how do we become better versions of ourselves and more sympathetic and more empathetic? Um, you know, it, like the, the way a way of doing that is putting energy into something that gives you a little cushion because it's not, it's not your direct thing that you can't fix. It's like something that you can sort of, you're a little more protected in and you're a little more surrounded by another, you know, a community of people who are putting themselves in the same situation. Like none of us knew this person, but if there's something we can do collectively, like how incredibly satisfying is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, I mean, to Bob's credit, like the truth and justice army that he has built is like, 
I haven't seen anything else like it. You know, I feel like so many when you like under the umbrella of like the true crime podcasts where a lot of, you know, a lot of them are just like, hey, we're going to look back at this case and how weird it was and how fascinating. But not only is Bob, you know, trying to get wrongfully convicted people out of prison and has successfully, but he's now taken his audience, his audience, they are part of his team, people who research things and like, you know, when he doesn't have the time to go through call logs and make a really detailed list of all the call logs, these are the things his listeners are doing and sharing. And yeah. it's he's created this community where he, he literally does have an army behind him of people who yeah. want to help. And, you know, if it is something they're able to do from home and it's something as simple as reading transcripts and, you know, putting something in an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, it can be part of something bigger, like getting, you know, wrongfully convicted people out of prison. Like what an amazing, incredible thing to be a part of. Absolutely. And the fact that he approaches it responsibly, because I definitely know, like I have friends who only peripherally know about the podcast and they're like, oh, no, no, no. That's like extreme. That's so irresponsible. Like don't you know, don't get people tangled up in that. Like people will ruin things. People will ruin cases. And I know that that happens, but I feel like he is, he's, he's, he's figured out the formula of like being sort of authoritative and a badass enough that like when he's like, do not contact any of these people, no one does because I would know about it if they did. Do you know what I mean? Like it would get back to him. Mm -hmm. That would be a big problem for him. So like what, however he's sort of crafting this, it's created this environment in which the people who show up are, and and who are taking action aren't doing the things that like, they're not calling the police and being like, we figured out who the Boston Marathon bomber is. Like we've done it. You know what I mean? That's not what's happening at all. Mm -hmm. So, and and you have all these innocence projects from all over the United States who are like scrambling to get, to get on the podcast because they've seen the actual effects of, of what it can do. I mean, I'll never forget whenever that was, I still will never forget now. I can't remember exactly who it was, but remember there was one case and it might've been like, I can't remember whose it was, but they like, he was like, and I needed a geologist. And like, he was like, luckily like Bernard blah, blah, blah was a geologist who listened to the podcast and he was able to like donate his time and his understanding of like geological, like time and aging and dirt to like actually push us forward on this thing. It's remarkable. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he did it with a car once. He was looking for like a very specific make and model in year of a car and and somebody was like, oh yeah, I know a guy who has that car. (laughs) It's Um, amazing. Yeah. It's great. It's incredible. And you're right. He does this really great job of because it's, you know, you, you want it to be entertaining. You know, it's it's a podcast. And 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 I, and I think that he does a really great job of being able to sort of balance. You know, I know like this season, a lot of people are like every episode is an interview. But because oh there God. are. And then big, everyone else is like, please. Yeah. Interviews. This yes. is. Yeah, he still manages to. I love that he's very firm with this is how we this is how we do these things properly. And yeah, it's going to take some time. But, you know, you guys are all, you know, with your Friday follow ups, everything, you're all still able to still keep it entertaining. Um, And 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 yeah, it's yeah, the, the way that he does it. Bob Ruff is not someone who will ever have tunnel vision in his yeah. life. He's yeah. so open and and I think that is really, really important because when someone I feel like hears they could hear something and latch onto it and then that tunnel vision is created and now they're trying to find things that fit their theory versus yeah. letting the evidence 
tell yeah. you, you know, help you, you know, come up with the theory. So yeah, he's cracked it. And um, yeah, I'm curious, do you, aside from like me and you and like John Cryer, are there people in the <laughs> entertainment industry, like in Los Angeles that also listen to Truth and Justice, like as hard? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you would think, um, but I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think if I know it. I, I definitely have my friend Aaron Ginsburg, who was a TV writer, who was uh, director of the Thrilling Adventure Hour for a long time. He and I did not know each other listened to Truth and Justice until one day, I guess, hosted like on a past season. Uh, and he immediately texted me and was like, we're freaking out right now. Like, we're freaking out. Like, he doesn't give a shit if he sees me on television. You know, he's like, that's whatever. That's what all my friends do. But he hears me on this podcast. And he's like, what's happening? How is this possible? So I definitely know that one other person. But like, I've not had anybody else in the entertainment community that I've ever crossed paths with, which who was also like, oh, by the way, I also love this yeah. thing. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's wild. I know like friends of mine who listen, to, I keep telling them I'm like you have they're like yeah but I, I like the ones that are just kind of short and they're it's like one case yeah. per episode I'm like okay yeah. and this isn't for you but um yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. I mean and Bob has such a huge audience that um yeah. you know it's like he doesn't need more tv writers but um <laughs> but yeah it's so it, it was really funny I remember I think the first time I heard you on it was it may have been like a Friday follow-up or something I was like wait what wait what what like how did how did they like how did the two of them like was Janet do you just know a fan? how I did don't you do know. You, have you ever known no okay so I and then we'll get to this mash game because I definitely want to do this but this was a good segue because I didn't want to be like now we're talking about this hard thing and now let's do mash what foods would you like to eat if there were no ramifications <laughs> but um so th- so I was working on a show in uh Georgia and I had and I was already a huge fan of Bob's. Like I was with him since like I was I heard about him through Rabia because I was a huge Undisclosed fan. And uh, and so I started listening to him and I even went back and listened to like the season that he did where he started just where he was like, I don't know. I just quit everything I was doing and started trying to help Adnan. Serial Dynasty days. Serial Dynasty where, again, like he's come a long way because he definitely was like super irresponsible about certain things back then because he didn't know any better. But um. But I was so just like avid listener. And then I was I it was I, I feel like I'm saying I remember when John F. Kennedy was shot because that's how visceral it is. But like I was driving to I think I had the day off and I was like driving to Hobby Lobby because in Georgia in the summer, there's nothing to do other than like, how do I stay cool somewhere? Yep. So I was like, let's go look at crafts. And I was listening to him on the freeway. And he was like, that's the only time I can think of that he's ever done this. But it was like the end of a follow up or something. He was like, um. people keep asking me what I listen to like what I can recommend he's like I'm so sorry to let everyone down I just don't listen to true crime like that's this is my job this is all I do and um and my favorite podcast is called never not funny with Jimmy Pardo and I I like pulled off I like hit the blinker went off on the nearest exit pulled into like a random parking lot and was like okay what do I do about this what do I do um like if I write him he will know who I am and I was like like I was so jazzed I was like full of adrenaline and I wrote him an email like in my car on my phone and was like hey I just heard that you listen to Jimmy's show you should know I'm a huge fan of yours I have a podcast I'd love to have you on. It's called the JV Club, blah, blah, blah. And he wrote back right away and was like, oh, my God, I can't believe Janet Varney emailed me. And I was like, no, 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 no I no, can't no. believe Bob Ruff emailed me back. And 
And so we became friends. We did, wow. He did the podcast and we stayed in touch and um, and we've just stayed buddies uh, from afar. And so, you know, like it's just kind of so I, I fully like weaseled my way. Yep in um but it was just one of those lucky things where he had never said that i never would have known i mean i never would have known and like what if you had just turned on because you know how sometimes you get to the end of an episode you're you're like like, i don't need to hear about more true crime yeah yeah totally totally that's incredible yeah it's so wild it's so wild um so yeah, now I'm gonna I'll, I'll, now I'm gonna like rope you into stuff because again I don't I don't have a ton of friends yeah, that like I don't I, either. We've totally like yeah. I Im- immediately felt like a, such a bond with you yeah. from being like okay she does this like she's funny she works in Hollywood <laughs> she's also obsessed with this podcast like we're gonna be fine yeah. we're total kindred spirits yeah oh that's so. such a, oh that's such a fun it, it's so sweet that you were both. I mean, and I'm sure as soon as he got that email, he was like fangirling out like, he, oh, my gosh, so. like it's that's so that's, what a sweet way to start it's a friendship. Great. Oh, it's great. It's great. And it's weird. And then and the thing about podcasts is it's so odd when you are a regular regular listener to something because you do. We all experience it if we listen to podcasts, whether we have our own or not. And I know you do. And I want you to talk about that while we're doing the smash. But um but people feel like they know you. Yeah. And so the hardest thing to overcome is when you meet someone new, they have a, a familiarity with you that you don't have with them. And it's hard because you want to, like, be able to give them, like, here, here's a shot. Like, here's the red pill. Like, take this and you'll know as much about me as I know about you or vice versa. Um, but in that case, it was just like that case was where, you know, because he doesn't talk about himself as that much on the podcast and because I had done jimmy's podcast with regular you know appearances like from year to year we both had the same level of feeling like we already knew each other it was like i know i don't really know you i do feel like i really know you though yeah it was like a fun place to start from yeah 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 Yeah. it was wild but that's like my favorite thing is when different fandoms and stuff kind of have that intermingling Mm -hmm. where you know if i do comic cons and stuff and i see you know someone from this thing that people are obsessed with now is like losing their mind because you know um, like Captain Kirk is over in the corner and, you know, they're like, I'm so scared. Like, I really want to talk to them. Like, you have billions of fans. They're like, I know, but that's James T. Kirk. Yeah. Like, that's the most fun because you realize like, oh, we're all, we all do it. Like, we all continue to do it. It doesn't matter how famous you get. Yeah. If you're into, and I'm not famous, but like if you're into something and it's not connected to you and then you have the chance to like, engage with it in some way like you're going to be the same whether you're tom hanks or like an improv kid at the ucb right right it's great yeah it's great it's so great okay we're gonna take a break i will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at maximum fun are you ready to binge watch something Old. The Greatest Generation is a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of hosts a little bit embarrassed to even have a Star Trek podcast. Hosted by me, Ben Harrison. And me, Adam Pranica. We get into the critical, the technical, the science fictional aspects of the show we love while roasting it and each other at the same time. We've completed an entire series about Star Trek The Next Generation and another one about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and we've just begun Star Trek Voyager. So now is a great time to start watching a new Star Trek series with us. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and become a friend of DeSoto today. Carrie, 
my new dear friend, let's start this smash game. Where do I want to start with you? Let's start with, uh, well, I joked about it. So let's get our foods out of the way. Okay. Three foods that in this alternate universe you can have with zero ramifications to yourself or the earth or anyone. Oh, just uh, a real, any, a really good spaghetti dish. Oh, just great. Spaghetti. Um, yeah. You bet. What else? Um, Reese's Pieces. Oh, yes. And what else would I eat with no ramifications? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Probably um, Defara's Pizza from like Avenue J in Brooklyn. It's the best oh, pizza great. I've ever had in my entire life. Great. Avenue J. Yes. Great touch. Okay, perfect. All right. Next one. Let's do three. I got to do it. Let's do three movies that you can jump into and just be in that space. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in that world feeling the feeling you get when you watch the movie. Ooh, um, Goonies. Yes. Harold and Maude. Yes. And the original Pete's Dragon from like 1978 or 79, whenever that came out. Oh, yeah. I would watch that movie over and over. Man, when they start, when they cracked into a human can interact with a cartoon, talk about like, life-changing you know yeah it's just like life-changing absolutely absolutely incredible uh yeah that movie i mean the movie it's a little problematic now i mean i mean i'm sure it is the opening scene he's i mean this poor boy he's like in this terrible foster care system and they're they're chasing after him and they're you know shelly winters is like when we find him we're gonna kill him i'm like oh no (laughs) that's a terrible way to start a disney movie but uh but anyway yeah disney was disney i disney was dark in like the late 60s -hmm. into like the early 80s i'm sort of amazed at some of the stuff that that they were that they were like I'm all right yeah like yeah kidnapper who kill kids okay sure like, sure but let's get him in a lighthouse with Helen amazing. Reddy to sing some beautiful did you songs. ever see what about did you ever see Escape to Witch Mountain oh that was the one I was obsessed with was that wait was that the oh, one with Elizabeth so Moss or was that Return good. to Witch Mountain that's probably Return I to think I've seen Escape Return or to. Escape yeah was it Escape yeah Escape from Witch Mountain I guess it was Escape from but I, they want but I know they wanted to go to Witch Mountain but it's the yeah it's the two kids who are uh, brother and sister and they both have psychic powers and there's like the sort of I feel like before this was a thing they would have those like weird flashbacks where they don't she doesn't know why she can remember things and she doesn't know what's happening and there was this weird music that would play as she's like being rescued from water and you don't know what it is yes. I was like I could not get enough of that movie I watched it over and over it was like everything I wanted it was like okay so they're from an alien race yep. <laughs> spoiler alert and she can move things with her mind like she can talk to animals like who wouldn't want that? Yes. Like, everyone wants that. Yes. Everyone wants that. Oh, my god. Wait, gosh. could he move things with his mind or could she? I can't remember. She can definitely talk to animals. Maybe it's him who can move things. Anyway. Um, Great power. I, I, I'm fully going to watch that. I'm sure it's also super problematic. Can't wait to see <laughs> in all the ways. Uh, oh, well. Okay. Uh, fantastic choices would be with you right next to you in every single one of those. Let's do three... TV shows that either still exist or no longer exist that we can magically turn you into part of the writing room. Oh, God. The Golden Girls, of course. Figured. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to say Dead to Me as a more oh, current show because I yeah, love yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah. Liz Feldman is so smart. Um, yes. And then I feel like I kind of need to go old school again. Um, oh, like, oh. God, never ask a TV writer what to, what show would they like. I feel like my brain is exploding right now. Um, a okay, I shouldn't overthink this. I'll 
I, I will say the office. I'll say the office as Great. well. Great. Okay, perfect. Uh, next category, all due respect to the romance in your life. Currently, uh, three people, any era, any cartoon, any book, any whatever, three characters that you would like to have romance or sexy times with in this ultimate Oh, universe. boy, three characters. Um, or just, you know, I mean, the yeah. kid could be the character of the Brad Pitt you feel like you know from, like, People Magazine, <laughs> whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, three characters. Okay, let's see. Who's who's hot? Um, <laughs> um I will say... I'm gonna I'm just, I'm gonna just go back to what I would have done as a teenager or or a young younger person. Always a fan of. That. I'll just say I'll say like um, let's say uh, Elijah Wood in the <gasps> yes. faculty. Great, 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 great. Um, who else is like a sexy character? Um, oh boy, there was. Um, why is this so hard for me? Uh, okay, I will say, all right, I'll just say um, Ross from Friends. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying these things right now. I feel, I'm getting um, the feeling that you liked the, the, you like, did you do the thing that I did? It's a, I, it's a slightly different version because I probably wouldn't have picked these two guys, but the sort of like, no, I'm going to like the one that less people are oh, into absolutely. because I think they're like more accessible in some way yes. or like, I see the real <laughs> yes. them or like. <laughs> yes. I would never say Brad Pitt it. because yes, but this yeah. actually seems like it might be kind yeah. of. Um, totally. Oh totally. boy. And a third one. Um, ooh. Again, I'll just go back to like my sort of teenage. I'll say um, Gael Garcia Bernal when he was in Itu Mama Tambien. Oh my God, that movie is so freaking good. And it's a very sexy movie. I am a thousand percent. Uh, this is the brand of someone whose child wakes them up at like five thirty in the morning. I'm, I've, I'm like, maybe later I'm going to be like, listen, what did you I have say? A, you have an excuse. I think everyone else, myself included, is just gets like utter like. Uh, you you can actually if you were hooked up to an EKG, <laughs> ECG. What's the one that measures your brain? It would be like e- flatline e- e- when you get to EEG. <laughs> you like, oh, and then all activities somehow stopped right after they were asked <laughs> this question. Um, okay, next category. Let's do three places in the world that you would love to be able to have another home. If we could sort of just teleport you there, you didn't have to worry about the travel. Um, I feel like any anywhere in Italy that Stanley Tucci visited in his HBO Great. Max show. Yes. Um, I would say like a, you know, somewhere in a a beautiful, like, um, like at the foot of the mountains in Montana somewhere. Oh, great. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. just have a lot of land. Yes. Um, and you know, I've never been to Barcelona, but my friends have, and they all say it's like the most beautiful city that they've been to. So we'll say Barcelona. Yeah. I've heard that too, and I also haven't gone, so we got to get on that. Um, okay, next category. Let's do three. I'm going to say it. Let's do three mysteries in the real world that uh, you are going to have access to the actual truth. Ooh, gosh. Um, West Memphis three. Right. Just especially just as a mother now, that case, I mean, it, that case always boiled my blood, but now it does even more so as a parent. I'm sure. God, um, of course. Yeah. West Memphis 3, um, mysteries, mysteries, mysteries. Do we know where Jimmy Hoffa is yet? Have we figured that out? I have no idea. Yeah. Let's see Jimmy Hoffa because I feel like 
great. I don't know, just to, I'm not particularly, I don't know a ton about the case, but I know a lot of people want to know that information. Yeah, they'd be very grateful to you. Yeah. Um, And then I'm just going to go really big and broad with the third one and just say like, extraterrestrials and yes, like UFOs. Indeed. Pick a sighting. Pick a, yeah. you know, pick one of those. Feels especially appropriate since you picked Reese's Pieces. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, fine, uh, second to last category. Let's do three alternate universe jobs that you can try on. Listen, if it doesn't work out, no big deal. But you're going to have the opportunity to experience like all the highs of, uh, mm. of three alternate uh, careers. Oh, career. Uh, let's see. Um... A dolphin trainer? Great. My cousins do that. They train dolphins. It's incredible. I love this. I feel like I'm 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 so I could at least at some point if I go visit them just witness what it's like for someone else to do it. Yes. Um and and also and you know, cruelty-free dolphin training. Maybe you're training dolphins in the wild and maybe you just sort of befriend them. Um, Um I oh like deep sea diving, like we're going to go check out the wreckage of the Titanic <gasps> yes. kind of stuff. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, another job. Ooh, professional. Oh, like I would professional dancer Great. for like, I don't know, like, you know, Britney or Lizzo yeah. or, you Some know. Sort of pop, hip hop, yeah. badassness. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, final category. Let's do three fictional characters um from some world that you love be it the golden girls or harry potter or whatever uh that you would love to sort of create a friendship with that crosses through these two worlds between you and this character uh definitely dorothy spornak from the golden girls yeah um I will, I'm going to say this is a fictional one, but it's just because he writes himself so well. But my friend David wrote this amazing memoir called Bad Kid about mm-hmm. growing up um, gay and goth in San Antonio in the 80s. Oh. Oh, wow. And the way he paints himself, he is the most incredible kid in this book. And I'm obsessed with it, even though he's my friend in real life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say David Crabbe and Bad Kid because oh. you have to read this book. It's it's absolutely amazing. And he's so funny. He's oh, I absolutely will. Greatest storytellers ever. But I, I wish I could have been friends with David yes, in the 80s. Yes. Oh, I love it. And I will also say, hmm. oh, I'm going to say Moana. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. great oh, I'm like, great. it's between Moana and Mulan. I'll say Moana. Okay. Um, yeah. I feel like that is a, yeah, those movies are amazing. And those are strong, badass girls. Yes. That, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Wow, what a great uh, assortment you got for your potential friend. Okay, um, give me a word that uh, helps describe maybe kind of how you felt when you woke up this morning. I mean, I guess it was five in the morning. You might yeah. be half and sleepy. Um, yeah, how did I feel when I woke up this morning? Um, oh, groggy. <laughs> great. I mean, not great, but yes, and same. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, while I do some tabulations, will you please pe- uh, tell people what they should be checking out and how to enjoy more of you, Carrie Doherty, uh, while I am doing this? Sure. Um, so I I have a, a, a Golden Girls podcast called Out on the Lanai for any Golden Girls fans out there. Um, my co-host and I, H. Allen Scott, uh, we started the podcast in 2014 and we 
did a rewatch of every episode of the Golden Girls. I think there's like 180 of them over seven seasons. And then we ran out of episodes. So uh, luckily Hulu dropped the Golden uh, Palace, which is the Golden Girls spinoff. So we covered all of those. And then we finished oh, that. Uh, so now we're um, we're doing sort of these special one-off episodes. Uh, but we've had some really fun guests on the podcast. Um uh, yeah, for for the true crime fans out there, Jim Clemente came on our podcast to talk you ha- about. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> he came amazing. on. I gotta listen to that it immediately is, today. It's wild. He came on for um, the case of the Libertine Bell, which is uh, it's the murder mystery episode. So to have an oh FBI god, profiler um, on oh. was amazing. And uh, Lizzo was a guest. Uh, Grace Helbig, she's a big YouTuber. We've had some fun guests. Oh sure, um, I know Grace. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, she's amazing. Lizzo, um, amazing. And oh, yeah. did you know when you made the podcast that like you would ha- it would have such a reach to like that that show would have such a reach to so many different people in so many d- different walks of life? Because I, I love that. Yeah, we've definitely learned. Uh, sort, I mean, the Golden Girls community is the most. I mean, they're just the most like the warmest, most embracing uh, yes. community. And I think it's it's because like such a big part of their fan base is like LGBTQ people because yes. you know the Golden Girls, uh, you know, they are, they're a chosen family and with those women. And um, so it's, it's just been so amazing to be a part of that community for as long as we have. And we've, we've definitely learned that, you know, there are people who rediscover the show as an adult who watched it when they were kids. There are people who, you know, are introducing it to their own kids now. Um, It is one of those timeless shows, I think, that will just sort of I mean, I'm sure the sort of popularity of it will ebb and flow, but I think it will always be in the zeitgeist. It's because yeah. it's just it's so incredible and just so timely. And so feminist. Mm-hmm. I mean, crazily enough, it's such a like on so many levels. Mm-hmm. It's so feminist. Yeah. And- For, from age to gender to when it came out to, you know, like sexuality to mm-hmm. uh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. It's great. So, yeah. So the the podcast is, uh, yeah, it's called Out on the Lanai and um uh, and I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm so bra- bad at branding that my Twitter handles, it should be my name. But um, my Twitter is squid eat squid, which is like dog eat dog, but with squid. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my Instagram handle is squidzy because, again, just if you're going to uh-huh. pick an animal for your handle, uh-huh. you might as well stick it out. Um, yeah, there are weird uh, backstories to those. I'll save them for another day. <laughs> great. <laughs> okay. I, I feel very confident that people are going to uh, st- – they've already sat up and taken notice, and um, uh, I have been offered a spot on your podcast, and I can't wait to do it. Yes, and, I know. We'll we're, talk further about that. That great. was our step two. We knew this was our step one, then we were going to get into our step two, which was that. So I feel – uh, great about all of this. I think I'll be very pleased with the results. A um, lot going on here. Again, a <laughs> lot going on. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you because I had heard that you were a great dancer, but it wasn't until I saw you in concert <laughs> as a featured dancer for Britney that I truly understand stood like oh she can do it all like you were flipping around it felt like you it was anti-gravity moment like you're phenomenal rhythm moves fantastic I don't know how that works with what I assume somehow is the matured and evolved to the right age Elijah Wood from the faculty like 
However, I'm sure part of you, you know, your, his attraction to you happened to be your amazing boobs. Like, there's no doubt about it. It would be true uh, no matter who you were with. But you definitely are with, again, what we assume is a fully developed age-appropriate Elijah Wood character from the faculty. Um, that being said, there's no reason you can't stay a kid at heart. And that's why you can jump into Goonies whenever you want. You can jump into Goonies, hang with the gang, find some treasure, make friends with sloth you're going to be good to go it's that they really captured like the fantasy of every kid that age when the movie came out and since then every kid that age like whether they grew up with the internet or not so great congratulations on that i also want to congratulate you on your beautiful mansion in one of or to just spin a wheel one of stanley tucci's explorations uh on his show P.S. You want to throw Stanley Tucci onto a list for me of romance sexy times? I'm down. Um, so that's going to be absolutely gorgeous and wonderful. Um, I I don't know. Like, this is interesting because we have the real life reality of you having written on the Golden Girls. Yet we also have the reality of you having this, like, best friendship with Dorothy from the Golden Girls. So it's both a show and not a show and is a real thing in this very meta stuff happening in this mash. Um, So that's great. Uh, Unsurprisingly, since you have this beautiful mansion in Italy, you are going to enjoy unlimited spaghetti, uh, fabulous zero ramifications. And um, that leaves us with the fact that you are also going to finally put to rest what... Uh, the law enforcement community of West Memphis, Arkansas does not seem interested at all in doing, which is to finally find justice for the three little kiddos. Um, and uh, and that is going to make many people very, very grateful indeed. So that, Carrie, is your mash. I think you killed it. That is, if you, I mean, I, that, it, that screams tired mother to me. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that from the, the sort of the age inappropriate uh, love interest to we somewhere all in understand. Italy. No, we all understand where that where that comes from. Again, I would I I, I embrace it. I was not shaming you. I was just moving it into no. A present it was tense you. That, that you felt did satisfying. You did a really great job of trying to Thank find you. the most natural uh, segues. And I mean, at least we got spaghetti. At least, but that was oh yeah, a mansion in Italy. You think untired mom isn't gonna still want that you're crazy of course you want that that. oh this is fantastic um all right everyone this is one of the longest episodes i've done to date but there are some very good reasons why and uh and this has been such a a joy and i can't wait to just like be in each other's worlds uh moving forward likewise yeah we're so excited to have you on the golden girls podcast and yeah thank you for um giving me it was very cathartic today talking about all of this for me too for me too so this Uh, has been amazing amazing. and i'm so glad that we've connected over yeah this truth and justice and now over on your podcast and yeah, that's right. I'm never going to give Bob any more credit than what we've already given him, though. <laughs> never going to tell him, never going to give him credit. Uh, all right, everybody, I will talk to you next week on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org 
comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.